We were taking fire from a, I think a four story building. Yeah, I think we were in Anjef. Yeah, we were in Anjef and uh, my platoon sergeant, so we had some helicopter support. My platoon sergeant, he waves, waves me up there. He's like, hey, put a smoke around in that window so that the helicopter can see what, what which one we're talking about or whatever. I'm like, no problem. <laughs> The, you know, the entire platoon were, were like either online or, or somewhere in the area, and we all know what's going on. We know that you know he got called up, and that he's supposed to, lo- to lob signal. It. Yeah, yeah. Like, lob okay, a, a smoke we're round on in. hold until we can move forward well, yeah. with this. Yeah, and then the helicopter's going to come in and do their yeah. thing. Yeah. It'll be awesome. Right? So we're all waiting and watching, all of us. And it, now, now this is a four-story tall building, and we're I don't know two, three hundred yards no, away. We're about two hundred yards. Two hundred yards away, and uh, typically no problem. No problem, right? I put the smoke round in, I shoot this thing, and I airball over the top of this building. It just goes. Like, like I wasn't even <laughs> aiming in the right anything, right? Well, I, I had never shot a smoke round before. Come to find out, they're a lot lighter than a regular HEDP round. But this is the first one we've ever got issued or held or seen or whatever, right? And so I airball this building. My platoon sergeant looks at me like, what the f***? You know, I'm just like you're the best. This platoon's guy. Exactly. I'm just like I have no idea what just happened right now. (laughs) There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle of Boveda. This is Box Press. Welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne, and I'm at PCA 2021, and I'm sitting across from John and Scott of Warfighter Tobacco. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure being with you guys. Yes, I appreciate it. You guys, this has been a long time coming. You've been packaging with Boveda for a while. We just have never sat together because you're always busy at PCA uh, selling cigars, and your booth is always packed. This year is going really good for us. We've been crazy busy, too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've used you guys in uh, a, a lot of our products. Um, right. We have our travel humidors, our rut case humidors, our big Pelican humidors. Um, about, I don't know, about a year ago or so, we switched, and every single one of our orders is now shipped with a small um, uh, ship, uh, you know, Boveda Ship Fresh. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, absolutely love what the product you guys have, and Appreciate it really it. helps with our customers, too. Yeah. Exactly. Now, what am I smoking? You are smoking uh, our 762 Garrison Rosado. Um, that one, uh, that's probably a, a, a medium full cigar. Yeah. Um, really good flavors on that one. Um, yeah. Yeah, we use a Nicaraguan wrapper and binder and Nicaraguan and Dominican filler on it. Yeah, it's got enough spice, but not the type of spice where I'm like, whoa. Right. Like not black pepper spice. Yeah. For me, it's more, like I told you before we started, I get kind of a steak flavor. For yeah. me, instead of spice, it's more like seasoning flavor. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. Is that from the Rosado wrapper? I would I I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's great. What are you guys smoking? I'm smoking the same thing you are actually. <laughs> and I'm smoking our five five six Garrison Corojo. Um this is our kind of pepper and spice guy. Like the the Rosado has a little bit up front and then it kind of mellows out after that. Uh, our Corojo is gonna have it through the whole cigar. Really? Solid medium body stick. I love them. <laughs> nice. I mean, I'm smoking 15, 20 cigars a day. So normally in the breakfast, in the early parts of the day, I start with lighter cigars, Connecticut, Sumatra, stuff like that. But I've smoked so many this week that I, just, I need flavor now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And everyone's palate is so different. Right. Yeah. What I think is interesting, and I think we should do a different video on this sometime, but this idea behind super tasters. Have you heard that? Uh-uh. 
some of the bloggers and some other people oh, out where there. they come out with the really crazy flavors and know that they can taste more in a cigar than let's say you oh okay i might say it well i'm a super taster okay of flavors like i can pick up the raspberry bubble gum right, right in this right. cigar <laughs> right, right. and you can't right right and in fact in hindsight super tasters which would just mean that you have more taste buds are more sensitive to those peppers right, right. not most people reside in normal like right around ten thousand taste buds or less right Whereas super tasters have over 30,000 wow. taste buds. I don't know if that's a good thing. It's not a good thing because <laughs> you're more sensitive and therefore you don't gravitate to a majority of the cigars in the humidor because right. they might be overpowering or right. too much of one thing for your palate. Whereas like a normal taste bud would just say, oh, that's peppery, but it also has cream and yeah. coffee and right. a little leather on the back end. Yep. Whereas a super taster might just be like, that's just all pepper, and yeah. that is annoying, you know, yeah. and move on. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do think it's pretty cool to hear uh, what people get out of a cigar, the flavors they get out of them. Um, and we hear it all the time. There's there's stuff that people say, oh, I get, you know, uh, toasted marshmallow or Scott got Butterfingers out of one. Yeah. And uh, it's weird. And it's cool because, like, it's subjective to the person. Oh, absolutely. And, without going you know into the whole science aspect of it essentially whatever the flavor your taste buds correlate into your brain your brain triggers a memory that of whatever that flavor is and it could be some of the wildest stuff and it's awesome it's so fun to hear some of the the guys like oh, i get you know whatever campfire and uh with a s'more and i'm like no I'm like, but hey you're not wrong no exactly now, are they super tasters or are they just really creative imaginary uh, imaginative <laughs> right. people you know like yeah eh, i don't know it's that cognitive connection yeah. between yeah. oral factory and and the brain yeah. like you said yep. speaking on that you know when we were in the military we smoked cigars right and so when I when we were in the military overseas and we're smoking a cigar, I would instantly I would remember back home, right? Like I'm sitting in my with my friends hanging out, like chilling at home. And now every now and then when I smoke a cigar, I think about that cigar when I'm sitting in, you know, in Iraq smoking with my buddies. Yeah. You know, so right. it's it's not a taste thing, but it's a it's definitely a memory trigger. Uh, Absolutely. That, yeah, so And I think that's why sometimes you're like, Man, that cigar was really good. But it was because you had right. the full trifecta of like either food, company, right. yeah. experience. Exactly. Yep. Just everything was going great right. when you were smoking it. So no matter what, that cigar was going to be phenomenal. Yeah. Because yep. it's a great quality premium cigar. Let's yep. face it. All these cigars taste great. Right. They do. They all taste great. Yeah. Yep. It's we just situations, palates, yeah. everything else right. that just comes into factor. So... We get yeah. the question all the time of what our favorite cigar is, and Scott's answer is the best best answer ever. Yeah, Scott, what's your favorite cigar? Uh, the one I haven't had yet. Yeah, the one you haven't had yet. Yeah. Yep. My <laughs> wife asked me. She's like, "You have over a thousand cigars. Why do you need that one? I haven't had that yet." Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I haven't had that right? one. Right. Yeah. Now sometimes I'm disappointed. Right. But you know, I like to try new things all the time. So yeah, I we you know as it's funny. Some people assume we only smoke our own brand, and we're like, no, no. No, we love smoking other. I, I, most of what I smoke is my own brand, but that's economic based. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, but I love smoking everybody's cigar. So, yeah. 
and it's fun to chase the new stuff. It is, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I love the creativity that some of these companies have um, and kind of like the limits that they're pushing and what they're making with their cigars and, and the types of tobaccos they're using. Um, and so it, when somebody comes out with something new, like I'll almost go to the ends of the earth to track it down to get one. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I need to try this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys read some of the cigars that were coming out in the PCA only exclusive cigars? I know it's a thing, but I haven't had a chance to really sit down and, yeah. and look at it. We worried about what you know what we got going on and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure once once it's settled down and we get back to the shops, then I'll start to oh, it's a PCA one. Okay, yeah, yeah I have to try it. You know, right. So. How did you guys even decide to start the company? Why? Well, <laughs> it's kind of an it's one interesting of, one story. One of my favorite stories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm friends with like uh, some of the guys from Black Rifle Coffee and and uh, some of the other veteran-owned companies, and they put out a movie, uh, Range 15, uh, a couple years ago, and they crowdfunded it, and so yeah. I helped support it, and then I got to be in the movie and meet all these people, and uh, at that time I owned a, a gun store in Nebraska, and. Uh, but I got, I had an idea, like I wanted a product that was a consumable that I could market, uh, because we did a lot of cool social media stuff at the gun store. But then, you know, if you have this gun and it's cool, people would just go to their local store and buy it. Right. Right. Uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to have a brand and something fun to do. And so the idea kind of sparked when, when I was out doing that and hanging out with all the other veteran owned companies. Um, but then it, we really actually decided to do it. When uh, we were sitting around a table at Shot Show, uh, and we were getting drunk, and we're all like, "You know what? We should Drunk's an understatement. We, <laughs> we, we should start a cigar company." And they're like, "Okay, who knows anything about the industry?" And we all looked at each other, and we're like, "Not really anybody." So, yeah. so a bunch of ignorant gringos, yeah, yeah, yeah. figuring out yeah, all the military cigar guys, yeah, yeah, military all guys. But now yeah. we we all of us have smoked cigars the majority of our lives. We smoked them all. We were in the military, right. whether we were in the stateside or we were deployed or whatever. On a very um, basic consumer level. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so kind of when we, we decided that, you know, this is something that we want to pursue. Uh, I remember when we sat down at our first, like, official business meeting and we're like, okay, cool. Like, this is going to be a thing. We're, we're going to be great. We have all these ideas. It's going to be so much fun. Um, anybody know where to get cigars from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where do we get these? Right. Yeah. And nobody... It was just, no, no, I have no idea, you know? And uh, so, I mean, we're very resourceful being prior military guys. Um, and our biggest thing is if we don't know something, we need to find somebody that's way smarter than us and learn and ask questions and, right. and you know, be vulnerable to, uh, yeah. you know, criticism and everything like that. And that that led to some mistakes being made yep. in oh. our first couple of years, right? Sure. I call them false tutors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and one thing, one thing I did before we even bought our first cigar or had our cigar made or anything, is I came to this trade show. Because uh, how'd you get in? Well, I, owned we gun, I, I, owned, I owned a gun store as a, and I sold cigars in the gun oh. shop. Yep. So as a retailer, I came. But the only reason I came was to check out the industry and to see how it was, how it worked, right? And uh, one thing I and this was what year? Two thousand fifteen, probably. I think it was fifteen. Yeah. And uh, one thing I noticed about the industry, I, we were good at social media and I would walk around to a lot of the bigger companies. But in 2015, you know, I just had a couple questions, you know, like, hey, you know, how many social media followers do you have? You know, how do you do your marketing? And and we heard a lot of times like, oh, we have a lot. We have a huge following, like 3000 people. And I'm like, OK, 3000, 3000, yeah. you know, that's a lot. That's that's what exactly. I thought. Back in right. 2015, in it 2015. was 2015. 
but and, uh, but it, but even then it still even then wasn't. It really wasn't. Well, Especially them, yeah, some yeah. of these companies that have been around for, you know, 40, 50, 100 years and their social media presence is is extremely small and then what the content was and how they were doing it and then everything and you know coming from the the background that we have and the people that we knew like watching black rifle grow and, and grunt style grow and and all these other veteran-owned companies that are i mean i know probably gonna get a bunch of crap for it but essentially they're a marketing company that sells a product right you yeah. know and, uh, right. and learning how they do their content and learning why they do the things in the way that they do it and then translating that into different industries and seeing how a lot of people in the cigar industry do things. And it's just like, oh, you're way missing the curve there, yeah. bud. <laughs> so, so do you want to fax me over your plan? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I seen that there was a way in, uh, you know, and, and like I said, we had no industry experience, right? So I, but I seen that there was, there was room for us to like build something. Yeah, there, there's a spot for us. There's a spot for us. So we did some social media, you know, we, and what we did is, you know, we were told you got to go to the, the shop, you got to, you know, essentially beg them to carry your cigar and then they're going to, you know, create a demand for it. Well, I'm like, OK, that's what everybody else is doing. I don't I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. And so what we did is we created a demand from the, the consumer. Yeah. And then once we had the demand up, then we, you know, we ask our consumer, hey, go to your local cigar shop and ask for Warfighter. Until recently, we haven't had any sales reps um, or anything, and, and we're in you know 120 stores across the country with zero sales reps. Yeah. None. Yeah, we, it's so, all customer demanded uh, growth. I that love way. it. We kind of so, did like a grassroots campaign on yeah. social media when we started, and created the 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 draw with the customers, um, and then had the customers reach out to the shops. And it wasn't like our master scheme plan. We knew this, you know, from day one that we were going to do it. It just kind of worked out that way. Well, it's actually know. the best because like if these people that really like the cigars but want to support the brick and mortar, yeah. right? why wouldn't you? That's all right. as a yeah. retailer. That's all you need to listen to is, yeah. will you smoke this cigar? If I order six facings or two boxes, yeah. are you going to buy it if I don't right. sell it? At the end of the day, if I were the consumer, I'd be like, yeah, I'll buy it from you yeah. if you don't sell it. Right. Yeah. Cause I want to come in and I want to buy a couple cigars. Yeah. I want to share them with my friends. It, it, it's, it's weird that the retailer, like I can approach a retailer and say, Hey, you should sell my cigars, you know, and give them the whole pitch and story and all that. And they're like, okay, you know, we'll think about it, whatever. The consumer comes in and says, Hey, you should carry these cigars. Cause I'm going to buy them. The retailer's like, you got it. Yeah. You know, done. it's done. Right. And, so, because that's what they need to, right. That's what they need. Yeah. Right. Will you come into my store and yeah. buy cigars? Yeah. So if you carry this one, right. Right. We, yeah. we have an extremely loyal customer base too. Yeah. Um, and the best thing about our customers, we love them to death, is they would much rather go to their local brick and mortar and, and get our cigars. Like, Why do they, you think that is? Because of the experience, the ambiance, the conversation, yeah, all right. of the things that happen when you're in a lounge. Right. And yeah. they'd much rather do that than have to order up some website and have it shipped and worry about and damaging mail. And not be able to smoke right. it exactly. at the lounge because that's a really bad move. Yeah, right. and bringing in your own cigars. Most, I mean, some shops do have cut fees and stuff like that. Some shops, it's just an absolute no-go. Yeah. yeah. You know? in, in the area that I come from, it's like, don't do it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like almost bad etiquette sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, really time. bad etiquette. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. we're paying all the taxes and the fees right. to open up that door. Right. And in Minnesota, it gets cold. So the only spot to smoke it, exactly. is in the shop. Yeah. And you guys, well, I, I think up until recently, you guys had some 
crazy taxes. <laughs> yeah, like 90, 95% wholesale. It is, yeah, Ooh. it's insane. So you might as well just double the price of the stock. stadium, though, right? Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and now, now we're where we are as a company. You know, we've been around, we're going on our sixth year. Um, and, and we see our growth through the brick and mortar. Uh, we've been around long enough where the brick and mortars, they recognize our name now. Right. Um, and so, so now we're, we're transitioning into that, you know, we're going to hire some sales reps, uh, and, and be, have a presence that way and, and go the more traditional route because that, that's where, that's where our growth is going to be. Um, right. you know, but we had, I love to, it. we had to create the demand somehow. Yeah. Sure. And so, you know, it, it, and it's hard, you know, some retailers are like, well, you guys sell on your own website. It's, it's a double edged sword, right? Right. I had to create the demand somehow, you know. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. So. Why Garrison? So, so we have two. We have two lines of cigars. Not really lines, but we, we, we two categories yeah. kind of. So the green box and over there is our field, and A so that's field? like your camouflage yep. uniform, your work uniform, uh, and We're, then the black boxes here are our Garrison line. That's like your dress uniform. Um, you know, your 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 in your back your your. You know, going to the military ball, you're you're doing you know something like that. So, what is garrison? What does that represent? Garrison means not out in the field. So in the military, not out in the field. Yeah, not so, out in the field. So the garrison is like uh, when when you're back at like like we were stationed at Fort Campbell. So you're back. So at when we were doing training on Fort Campbell, like in in the buildings or around our company area or something like that, they call that the garrison. Um, and then when we were either deployed overseas or we were in the back forty, like running around the woods playing army. They call that the field. And so it was uh, just a lot of the things that we do, we use a lot of military influence into it just because uh, it's kind of who we are. I mean, I don't know why. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, and so, uh, but the cool thing about the, when we did the field and the garrison lines, we kind of did it purpose-driven uh, from the blending side of it. And what I mean by that is our field line, it's, uh, you, we got really good flavors in the cigars, but we we toned them down strength wise. And we did that for a reason. We don't want guys that are deployed uh, overseas or uh, on a training mission in the back 40 or something like that, when they're sitting behind a machine gun, smoking a giant nicotine bomb, getting a buzz. Right. You know, that's it's not conducive for anything or anybody. Right. And, and so how that relates to non-military people, if you're out mowing your lawn, you want to be smoking a cigar, you, you know, you want something that, you, you know, it's you, you want to smoke. You want something with good flavor, but you don't want all that nicotine because you're working, you're busy, you're, right. you're on a golf course, not really paying attention to it, you know, something like that. Yeah. So that's that's a good field line. So, and then what we did is in our field line we have ca the the calibers. So uh, we have a five five six field, and that's a Connecticut. Then we have a seven six two field, which is a Sumatra, and then we have a fifty cal field that's a, a mild Maduro. And what the caliber relates to is kind of the strength of the cigar. So the smaller the caliber, the the, the not as strong, the more mild yeah. cigar. And then we get over to the Garrison. We have a 5.56 five, Garrison Corojo. We have a 7.62 Garrison uh, uh, Rosado, which you're smoking. And then we have a 50 cal Garrison Oscuro Maduro. And once again, it's the strength of the cigar. Yeah. Uh, Smart. Right. So and it kind of helps me judge, okay, which one do I want right. for we're, my we're, mood? Right. right. So, and, and when we came out, when we started, we had six blends initially because we wanted to hit all the different palettes too. Sure. You know, you know, you know, if you start out with, you know, say you start out with two cigars, you might, you're missing out on a lot of different palettes there. Right. Oh yeah. Know? So we wanted to start out with six um, and really have a diverse 
a diverse yeah. catalog for you know flavors. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Even better. Yeah. And this nice. year we, we introduced a couple new, uh, well, one new size in all of our, our blends. And then we introduced an actual whole new cigar also at the beginning of this year. We didn't know if any of the shows were going to happen because right. of all the COVID stuff. So instead of waiting to release at the show, like a lot of people do, we were just like, well, it's here. It's now like, oh, here we go. Yeah. You know, it's and available. then, you know, two months later, like, oh, the shows are on. And we're like, oh, <laughs> okay. great. Well, it's still new. It's <laughs> yeah, still right. new. We still got it. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. So we, we brought in, uh, we, we call it the Minutemen. And it's the uh, Minuteman? Yep. And it's a size in, in all of our six core blends. And it's a four by 44. Then it comes in a five pack. Um, oh, nice. And so we designed them to be like a 25, 30 minute smoke. Um, it's the exact same blend. Same tobaccos, just smaller size. There you go yeah. for those Minnesota winters. Exactly. Get a Miniman. Exactly. And then, and then uh, for the other new one, we, we came out with a, a mixed filler cigar. Mixed you know, we, flavor? A mixed, mixed filler. filler. Mixed filler. Yeah, yeah. so we have, we have some, some short filler and then a couple leaves for construction in there. Uh, and, you know, we're, our dilemma was, you know, it's a more economical cigar, right? Yep. So how do, you, how do we brand a, a more economical cigar that's a mixed filler? <clears throat> Well, we were right in the middle of, of 2020, <laughs> uh, so we named it the Dumpster Fire. Uh, you know, because the reasons. Dumpster Fire. The Dumpster Fire. One, it was a great representation of 2020. Yes. And two, it's made from all the trimmings of our other cigars, right? So we call it the Dumpster Fire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> but it, it. We were also supposed to get it in 2021, but because of 20, or excuse me, we were supposed to get it in 2020. But because yeah. of 2020, we didn't actually get it until 2021. So, <laughs> Perfect. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, a blast it's, from the past. Right. It's one of our most elegant bands. It's literally a dumpster burning, uh, but I'm very proud of the band. Very elegant. Yeah. Yes. It's a very, very elegant, elegant band. So <laughs> hard to recognize a dumpster on fire. Right. But you'll, you know, when you get there, you'll see it. You'll see it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't miss it. <laughs> you can't miss it. How about you guys as family men, wives, children? Uh, I'm married. I have four boys yeah. and a grandson. And. Another grandchild on the way. A grandson. So, yeah. Still lineage of men. Yeah. Yes. And his, hellions. His wife's so pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're hoping the new grandchild. We don't know what it is yet. We. we I, I got my fingers crossed for a girl. So. It, it, there you go. If it's a girl, that will be the most spoiled and overprotected girl <laughs> in the history of the world. I, right? I wouldn't want to date her. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. Suicide. It, so not only is it it is, is it me, it's, it's him. It's the military family ever. So when Scott, I, Scott and I were actually in the, in the service together, uh, we deployed oh, really? together in 2003, 2004, and now we're in business together. And it's amazing. Uh, but our platoon is probably one of the most tight knit platoons in the history of the United States Army. Um, even to this day, you know, 20 years after we got out, we do platoon reunions and there's 32 guys in our platoon. The last reunion we did, we had like 24 people show up. Wow. Uh, which yeah. is unheard of for a small unit that big. Right. A small unit that big. <laughs> for a small unit and how big the military is. Right. Um, and so it's like an extended family that will do even more than a regular family would do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, yeah. So, if, so if I, it's a grand, if it's a granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, you know, she'd have all the uncles, right? So, right. But yeah, my, my oldest, my oldest boys in the, in the Air Force, um, my my next youngest is in uh, in the Coast Guard, uh, and then I got two more. I got two at home yet, uh, but but one he's he's kind of honorary like me, so I'm I'm thinking that he's going to be the Marine because <laughs> there you, you know, go. He needs a little more discipline, so what you got him? What into that. were you guys in together? Uh, we were in the Army. Yep. Uh, Army. Yep. 
Any special unit or anything? Uh, we were like the that? 101st Airborne. We were both infantry guys. Oh, um, okay. I was a machine gunner, and Scott was a sniper. Uh, so we got, we worked well together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was fun, and I'd been married. I've been married for 21 years now, and so my wife. She was like the one that like babysat the whole platoon. She, she was my den mom. Yeah, yeah, because we were we were young kids. We were kids. I look back at the pictures, and we oh, man. we were kids. You know, we yeah, we were nine, 19, 20, 21. Yep. You know, wow. Uh, so I was the old man at twenty three when we got deployed to Iraq. Yeah, you know, like, he was. That's old. Yeah, I, I was. Compared, I was twenty. He was twenty three, and like compared he was to the old. nineteen year olds and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's kind of funny, but. Looking back on it. Yeah. Did you guys do careers then in the army? Or? No. I did five years. Uh, so I was in from 2000 to 2005. Um, and then I got out, jumped around, did a whole bunch of everything after that. Uh, just trying to figure out what I actually wanted to do in life. Uh, took me a while to figure it out. Uh, but now we're here. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I did uh, I did just, just shy of 10 years. Um, so I did. We, went, we were deployed in 03. And then I took 2000 middle of 2004 to middle of 2005 i took off <laughs> we were just not at war and then yeah. I, I went back for another year uh in 2005 2006 um and then having the kids and the wife i kind of got that ultimatum like hey if you're going to be gone you know two years now you know like get out or i'm getting out it's kind of with the ultimatum i right. got so i'm like yeah. well you know <laughs> i made a good decision being being married for 21 years especially as an infantryman uh is super rare yeah like right. most infantry guys are on two three wives yep. you know like it's it's not why is e that it's not an easy family life no you know yeah you, uh, you're gone for you're, a year the, the shot. op tempo your the amount of deployments that are having your amount of trainings um you know even even prior to uh wartime like when we joined the military it was peacetime military um but probably at least four or five times a year you're out either in the woods in the backside of Fort Campbell for a couple of weeks or you're deployed to uh, um, Louisiana, Fort Polk for JRTC or NTC in California for training rotations. And those are 30, 45 day you know, deployments at a time. In, in the eight years that I was at Fort Campbell, my wife added up. We were together for three years collectively yep. over, the amount over, of days over an eight year period. Over an eight year period. Yeah. That's why they're on a wife three. That's, exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's why it's hard. So. Wow. Yeah. Strong wife. Yeah, she is. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. So. And to hold down all those boys. Right? <laughs> Jeez. She yeah. just runs the show, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How has it been uh, with the gun shop? Is that something that. So I used easy? to own a gun shop. We kind of we started the cigar company to kind of help out the gun yeah. shop and the, you know, we, we weren't thinking super big scale at first. Um, but then we figured out we could make something of it. And, and once, once the, uh, once warfighter tobacco kind of took off, I ended up selling the gun yeah. shop and, uh, it, it, that, that it, was in Nebraska. Then we relocated to San Antonio and it got to the point where if we focused on warfighter, the gun store suffered. Yeah. And so we're like, Oh, Oh crap. And then we turn around and we focus on the gun store. And then Warfighter would suffer. Yeah. And they were both just too big to do at the same time with, with right. what we had. Yeah. And so we kind of had to make, or Scott actually had to make a decision because the gun store was Scott's. And uh, to try to figure out which direction, um, it, you know, is the, the more viable direction to go in. And he, he had the gun store for what, 10 years? Yeah, 10 years. And, uh, but I tell you what, you know, I, I love the firearm industry, but uh, it's, it's, it's nothing 
I don't know, my life is so much easier now and I really, really enjoy the cigar industry. Yeah. Uh, you know, John and I, we, you know, he was talking about the tight-knit platoon and, and all that. And, you know, we were a diverse bunch of guys, right? Yeah. Like we had, you know, every, every, every race, every, every whatever, yeah. it didn't matter. Tight, tight group of guys. Well, the next best thing I can correlate that to is the cigar industry, it's, right? This is that commonality that right. it doesn't matter you, where you come from or what you yeah. are or anything. You walk into a cigar shop, you, you can have a CEO of a multi-million dollar corporation sitting next to a janitor of different races, different sexual preferences, whatever, it doesn't matter. And they're they're sitting there talking like me and you are, right? It's right. Great... I gotta tell my Bell Mead story, my Nashville story. Okay. Yeah, tell it. So um, I, I did, I was doing a sales trip, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, I uh, went, covered Tennessee in that area, because uh, we were stationed at Fort Campbell, which is on the Tennessee, Kentucky border. Nashville's, you know, 45 minutes an hour away from, from Fort Campbell. Uh, so I was like, oh, I might as well go down and check those places out too. Um, so I went, I was, went down to a cigar shop. It was one of my last stops of the day. It's called Bell Mead Cigars uh, in Nashville. And amazing people. I walk in, you know, do the, the business side of things. And I was like, hey, do you guys mind if I just hang out for a little bit, have a cigar too? I'm like, my hotel is down the street. I can't smoke there. Um, right. I'd really love to just relax and enjoy a stick right now. The guy's like, absolutely. He's like, uh, do, you want a, do you want a drink? And I'm like, oh, you guys got a bar? He's like, no, but we got a bunch of bottles. And I'm like, if you don't mind. And uh, so he starts pulling up these like super high end whiskeys. At least I thought they were super high. And I'm like, oh, he's like, I don't want to drink your good stuff. He's like, oh, no, the good stuff's over here. And I'm like, okay. And uh, so I go grab a, a drink and sit down. And then I was sitting with like four or five other people that, you know, around a, a table and everyone's in their chairs. And I'm just trying to uh, figure out who they are, where, what they do, where, they, where they're from, what they smoke, like all that kind of stuff. Just be engaged in the conversation. Long story short, this is one of the most amazing experiences in my entire life. So there's me, just the outsider that happened to show up that day. Sitting next to me to my right was a, uh, a retired law enforcement officer. Next to him was a judge. Directly across from me was a lawyer, an attorney, some active duty guy that just happened to come in from Fort Campbell. So we were talking military stuff. And a guy next to me that looked like he kind of lived a hard life. By the end of the evening, I figured it all out. And it, it blew my mind. The guy sitting next to me that looked like he had a hard life, he was a felon. They got arrested by the cop that was sitting next to me. The, the prosecuting attorney was the guy sitting across from me. And the guy that put him in jail was a judge that was sitting right there. <laughs> my The look on your face right now is exactly, I was just sitting there the whole time. And I'm like, no fucking And way. they can all sit down and enjoy it. And, and they're laughing, they're joking. And like, so once we started getting on the conversation of that, like I still, I don't know what the guy did. I didn't really want to get into the details of it, but I found out all the rest of the information that I just said. But and really, that's what they were, the actual prosecuting? It, it blew my mind. And it, it comes down to that cigar is that thing that bridges all the gaps and brings everybody down. Oh. And it doesn't matter the, where they came from or what happened. They were all sitting there talking. And I'm like, it, it, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that I was, was a unique I literally, at the situation end of the night, to see. At sit the end in. of the night, I told the shop owner, I was like, I. That has, that's the pinnacle of anything I've ever going to experience in a cigar lounge. I'm like, everything else is cool, but nothing's going to beat that. No. Yeah, that brings a whole new level level of the common denominator yeah. that cigars bring. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Basically, opposing sides can sit down. Right. Oh, yeah. I think they should have uh, political meetings with cigars. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, straight. And, you know like non-cigar smokers, right? You know, when I, when I say, you know, when we're talking... And I'm like, yeah, I love cigars. They don't understand the true meaning of I love cigars. 
Like, yes, I like smoking cigars, but I love what cigars do. Right. You know, and it's hard to, you know, get that across to them. And, you know, but fighting all the political stuff, right? Like that, maybe that should be part of the message that it's not just about the cigar. It's about what the cigar can accomplish, what it can do. You know, like let us, let us run the businesses. Let us, let us do this because there's no, there's nothing negative about a cigar and what it can do. You know, like. Yeah. You know, it should be part of the message, I think. But, yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Unbelievable. I'm still shocked over that. <laughs> it ton of, like, I, and this, so this happened. This was probably four years ago. And I will I will try to tell that story any chance that I can, because it like it, it's almost not believable because of there's the title of the track. <laughs> a lawyer a judge and a cop and a convict sit down yeah. dot dot no. dot and they walk into a cigar lounge yeah we'll just leave it dot dot right, dot right. where it goes from there we'll let you be the judge of that but yeah that was uh that was one of the most interesting experiences that i've had uh, but i've never walked into a cigar lounge where there's been angry people or uh i mean yeah every once in a while you get those interesting people that talk about politics and that never ends well uh, yeah no i don't know i've had some good political conversations in a cigar lounge really yeah because people are more apt to be open-minded and, and hear the other point of view you know and if, if it's a discussion it's good if it's an argument it's never good yeah, right? yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. but yeah. discussions are good agreed yeah. the name warfighter yep and the connection with military is that just because of your guys's background or was it a very conscious choice to say, this is the way we want to gain our attention? Well, it was kind of a marketing thing, right? Like I could have named it Scott Jansen Cigars and I would have failed about three weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> sure. you know? um, and then we you know, we could have picked any other catchy name, whatever, right? But if we're going to brand something and we're going to market it, it's so much easier to do it if that's who you are. Like, right. we just... It's who we are, right? And and we don't try to brand just to the military. You know, anybody who wants to smoke our cigars, any yeah. supporter, you know, obviously we focus on the warfighter. We focus on the law enforcement, the but, firefighter. Yeah, People, I was going to say, our definition of the warfighter is not just military veteran space. Uh, we also focus pretty much anybody that's going to put somebody else in front of them, their own selves. Yeah. Uh, law enforcement, first responders, uh, you know, medics, um, Things like that, like anybody that's selflessly gonna yeah. help somebody else. Yeah. In our mind, that's a, that's a warfighter. They're doing something that's for the greater good, bigger than themselves. Yeah. Cool. So, anybody who supports that, and that's the idea, you know. And anybody who doesn't really support that idea, they can go buy some other cigar. I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, right. we'll, we'll market for our people. But yeah. if you don't like what we're doing. I, I don't have any feelings. It's fine. Right. <laughs> so. so that must be why you guys are on the Black Rifle Coffee Company's uh, affiliated companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're friends with those guys. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. We were trying to do some stuff with them. Um, but as we all know, with the cigar industry and the, the tobacco side of things, uh, we're very limited on advertisement, paid promotion, especially on social media, Google AdWords, all that kind of fun stuff. Right. Um, and trying to do a collaboration with a company that has a massive social media following that would 
put jeopardize. us in the risk of, like Scott said, jeopardizing their ability to use those platforms. Yeah. Right. And we don't want to be those guys that are like, sorry, you can't market anymore. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because so, so, you get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, it would have been great. But once we kind of put the whole picture on the table, we realized that, you know, this is probably not as good of idea as we thought it would be. And now it would be great. And even to this day, we still have customers all day long. They're like, when are you guys going to do blah, 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 or something with somebody else or whatever. Yeah. And we're just like, you know. But why can't you pull their coffee into your lineup and start doing some pairings of the coffee and the cigars oh, together? We've, yeah, we, we've done stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Have, you, have yeah. you? Yeah. We, nice. uh, we white labeled a bag of coffee with them a couple of years ago. Um, we're, we're a cigar company. Uh, cigars right. don't really have a uh, uh, shelf life per se compared to coffee. Coffee does, and yeah. um, the fresher the better. Exactly, and we didn't we didn't want to have coffee that wasn't in its prime, and then ship it to somebody, especially that's a cigar connoisseur who has an uh, a experienced a palate, palate yeah. right, and that can realize like, hey, this isn't really the freshest coffee. <laughs> uh, so yeah. we we did it for a little while. Um, it was delicious. It was amazing. Uh, but we realized that it wasn't something that we should continue doing if we're trying to put out the best product that we can possibly right. do. Yeah. Stick yep. to what you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's smart. And I don't know anything about coffee. <laughs> but I do get my Black Rifle Coffee Company every month. Right. And then I go and reach for my cigars to go that go with it. Mm -hmm. So I just do my own pairings. Right, right. Yep. And I love it. Yeah. Yep. It's fun. Yeah. It's but fun to drink something and go, oh, yeah. Like yeah. this would be really good with that cup of coffee. Right. And the cool thing about about cigars, right? You can, you know, obviously I know my own blends really well. So when I go out and about, I can smoke my cigar. I know what it normally tastes like. I know what it normally tastes like with what I normally drink. But when I when I throw in, you know, a certain rum that I haven't had before, yeah. or I throw in a different uh, scotch or or a, or, a, or a whiskey, and it changes those flavor notes a little bit, and yeah. it's the same cigar. Man, I love that. I, you know, right? I love it. When so. we first started, we were uh, kind of going on a rabbit hole trying to figure out what pairs well with each the cigars that we have and everything. Uh, we're big whiskey drinkers, um, and uh, in Nicaragua they don't have a lot of whiskey, so of course we're Florida Kanye drinkers when it's we're down there. It's a lot there. of rum. Right. Um, so I remember we were probably not even a year in, and uh, I was sitting at a cigar shop in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm smoking. Uh, I can't remember which cigar it was, but. It was Toro, and I got about halfway through it, and the bar ran out of Jameson. And I was like, guys, come on, you know? And I'm like, whatever. Jameson's my, my go-to. Sure. Uh, so I was like, well, what else you got? And, and one of the other bartenders came around. He's like, hey, man, we just got Florida Kanye 7 in. And I'm like, sweet, I'll take that on the rocks, please. And he's like, awesome. So he pours it, and I didn't even think anything of it. And I picked it up, and I took a sip, and I took a, a puff my cigar, and I was like, Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. here <laughs> we I'm go. Like, I get it now, and <laughs> and then I just went way down the rabbit hole. Of, I need, I want yeah. to try this. I want to try that, and I grab different cigars and all this. Yeah. yeah. So w w people ask us all the time, well, what what pairs well with your cigars? Man, there's that's like whatever you like. Yeah, that, yeah, that's like trying to figure out how to break into a combination lock, right? There's so many choices. You yeah. know, it's yeah, but it yeah, and but it's it, subjective. Yeah. You know, so yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So. Very subjective, very mood based. Right. Very situational based. Yeah. That's even for me. Like, what are you going to go to grab in the morning? Well, I don't know. Right. Not till that morning. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like on my you. Mood, right? What's your favorite cigar? The one I haven't had yet. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, choosing a cigar, it, there's so many factors going your mood, what you're drinking, what you ate. Right. If you've eat, you know, ate yeah. or yeah. not. Um, what the temperature, location, like there's so much that goes into it. So everyone's like, oh, well, what do you smoke? Well, it kind of depends. Uh, but I do have a go-to. Our Sumatra, I have one of those every morning with a cup of coffee. Really? It is perfect. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yep. That's the one. That's the one. What size? Uh, I usually run a Toro. Um, okay. He smokes fast. I smoke super fast. His, you do? His, his yeah. double Corona is how I smoke a Robusto usually. Yeah. Like, so. Do you feel like it gets too hot ever and no. needs flavor? So at first it did, and then I thought I was slowing down on how fast I was smoking a cigar. But really, I just kind of figured out how to not overheat the cigar while I'm smoking it. Um, so I still get all the flavors. I don't burn anything out of it. I don't get super long, crazy ashes or cones or anything like that. Um, but I will crush a cigar compared to most people. So how are you still smoking it, getting all the flavor out of it, but not overheating it? I think it? it's I'm not drawing as hard. Um, a longer, slower draw. Yep. Longer, slower draw. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've discovered. Yep. yep. Longer, slower, yeah. not so, yeah, you know, right. it's that's like, what, that's what it's like the hitting heat. the gas pedal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to take off at Mach 3, you know, like jam that thing down to the floor right. and let's see what happens. But you're going to suck a lot of fuel and yeah. you're going to burn a lot of rubber. Right. right. So if you're going to smoke a cigar that way, you're just at every stoplight, you're like, right. you know, just going. It it's like it's yeah. not going to taste very good. Yeah. Right. But if you slowly accelerate. Yep. You're going to taste all those oils and sugars yeah. and it's going to yeah. be phenomenal. That cigar is going to smoke totally different than you've ever had before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I tell guys, like, when I love Lanceros. But if I don't, if, I, if there's a, a, a couple weeks or a month in between when I smoke Lanceros, I always buy two. <laughs> and I destroy that first one. Try to figure, remember and figure out how to smoke it again. Then that second one is perfect. <laughs> Lanceros, for me, they need more attention. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot more, yeah. But yeah. like, but not over smoking it by pulling the draw yeah, so yeah. on. So if I'm conversing like I am now, like even before this, I yeah. had Michael Hurtlocks and he sat down with a 38 ring gauge cigar and I go, this is going to be a challenge for me. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it went out towards the end. Yeah. yeah. But at that point I just left it because I was like, I used to have to set a timer on my phone. Yeah. Draw. It, it, yep. Draw. And that was it. And draw. And I literally like I and I'd have to stop myself and I'd look and I'm like, nope, I gotta wait three four more seconds. And you know, and, and that was it. And then I mean now I don't have to say That's a, a good technique anymore. though to like retrain your body yep. on how to smoke a cigar. But and I, and I use just, it. I would destroy them. I would destroy Yeah, and then it's not fun. And I loved them. They taste yeah, so I good. think you had more of a problem with it because you, of how fast you smoke. Yeah. Yeah. And for then, me, I could, you have to kind of pay attention, but I don't have to think about it that right. hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah if I'm in a good conversation, don't hand me a Lancero, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hand yeah. me the go hand me the Gordo or the right, like, right. The, uh, the Toro or yeah, something right. that's like got a 55 ring gauge. I'll be just fine. Mm -hmm. So you guys said you guys like stories. What, I love uh, a good story. What What are some of the good stories, at least uh, that you guys heard in the past? Because we get we got a lot of stories. Scott and I, we've known each other for over 20 years now. Yeah, uh, we've had some very tell unique me and tell interesting me your best military story best oh i don't know we, i mean we've had they range from super funny to dark to I mean, <laughs> super funny let's yeah. go super funny that's super funny should we tell your 203 story oh that's a good one <laughs> yeah so so b before i became a sniper i was in in the line platoon so i became a sniper halfway through our deployment in iraq um, okay they needed more snipers i applied and yeah they, they all tryouts so leading up to it 
like we do internal shooting competitions like within our platoon when we go to the ranges and stuff like that and essentially it was like everybody shot and tried to figure it out and then whoever it was went up against scott <laughs> we already knew that you know right and uh and so going into the deployment we knew how well of a sh uh, of a shooter he was um so when uh the um sniper section came down and said hey we're looking for new shooters we're gonna have tryouts these days whoever you got to go apply you know obviously that was our I don't. I don't think I even asked to. I think you were told to. I think I started Jesus saying, "Yeah, he's like you're. You you're go going to. You're yeah. going to shoot this day. Bring yeah, it." Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but uh, so leading up to the story, I was a 203 gunner because I was a team leader. A 203 gunner. So you have your M4 underneath it. You have a grenade launcher, a 40 millimeter grenade. Uh, they're really heavy, so they arc. You know, they have a real right. steep arc to them. Well, the, 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 they're called HEDP, uh, high explosive dual purpose rounds. Yeah. Those are the ones that arc. They also yeah. have smoke and star clusters and flares and all this other stuff. So in, in training, we practice with what's called the chalk round because the, the high explosive rounds are expensive and right. you know, whatever. So we practice with the chalk rounds and they're the same weight as the HEDP. They simulate that. Well, it's just, it's a big piece of steel when it hits, it's got orange chalk so you can see where it impacted yeah. from a long ways. Well, we'd go out to the range and you know, you, the idea is, you know, you, you have a, a group of silhouette targets and you're trying to get as close to them as you can because it, it's a grenade, so it, it, has, it, it, right, it explodes out. Yep. Uh, but, you know, I was to the point where I could pick the individual silhouette that I wanted to hit with it. Yeah. And uh, Or if we're shooting at, at uh, buildings, he could put it in a window yeah, I was, I was, or, you know, something like that. That's like, it's nice. Really good with right. It. So I was, I, was, I was pretty good at it. Well, fast forward, we get to Iraq, we get issued, you know, all the different 203 rounds. So we had star clusters for signaling we had the grenade rounds we had smoke rounds for signaling all that kind of stuff well we were we were taking fire from a i think a four-story building yeah i think we were in anajef yeah we were in anajef and uh, my platoon sergeant so we had some helicopter support my platoon sergeant he waves waves me up there he's like hey put a smoke round in that window so that the helicopter can see what, what which one we're talking about or whatever i'm like no problem <laughs> the, you know, the entire platoon were, were like either online or, or somewhere in the area and we all know what's going on. We know that, you know, he got called up and that he's supposed to lob To signal. Yeah. yeah. Like, lob okay, a smoke we're round on in. hold until we can move forward well, yeah. with this. Yeah, and then the helicopter's going to come in and do their thing. Yeah. It'll yeah. be awesome. Right? So we're all waiting and watching. All of us. And it, now, now, this is a four-story tall building. And we're, I don't know, two, 300 yards no, away. We're about 200 yards. 200 out. yards away. and uh, Typically, no problem. No problem, right? I put the smoke round in. I shoot this thing and I airball over the top of this building. It just goes. Like, like I wasn't even <laughs> aiming in the right anything, right? Well, I, I had never shot a smoke round before. Come to find out, they're a lot lighter than a regular HEDP round. But this is the first one we've ever got issued or held or seen or whatever, right? And so I airball this building. My platoon star looks at me like, what the f***? You know, I'm just like, you're the best this yeah. platoon's got. Exactly. I'm just, like, exactly. I'm just like, I have no idea what just happened right now. <laughs> So it was, it was pretty funny. Yep, so then yep. you probably had a radio to the to the helicopter. Don't go after that one. Yeah, no, it was it was in the next neighborhood. Yeah, I don't know where it was. It gone. Went. Yeah, so. some kid picked it up and was like, "What the heck is this thing?" Yeah. Jeez, yeah. we got a lot of funny yeah. stories from over there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stories that we think are absolutely hilarious, but to uh, on the civilian side of things, it it doesn't seem so hilarious. Um, <laughs> right. So we, speaking of the two or three grenades. Um, they have a kill radius of about 10 meters, so about 30 feet around it. Um, we were, uh, we ended up getting into northern Iraq into Missoula, and uh, we were t we were, took over a building for the night, and uh, it was kind of like a three-story building. We had guys on the rooftop, 
But on the inside of the building, there was like a big open common area that was oh, probably about about 10 meters wide. And it had like, a, it almost looked like a storage unit, like metal roll-up doors all around the outside. And then there was like one or, or entrance in the front and entrance in the back. And so we grounded all of our stuff in there. And, uh, you know, we're, every, we, we had... We weren't on it like a secured base because we were there for the initial invasion. So there wasn't like a forward operating base that was set up or anything like that. Right. So we grounded when we grounded our equipment. Typically, a lot of the times we didn't unload our weapons because we're right. guarding ourselves. You know and, what I mean? And normally, and I don't know why we didn't do normal that day. Yeah. Normally, you just put your weapon next to where you're sleeping, whatever. Yeah. But we were all like shot. I mean, we'd been going for days at this point. And so we were all just going to crash out and have a couple guards on the building, whatever. And somebody said stack weapons. Well, worked really good in World War II with the M1 Grands. What had, do you mean by stacking weapons? They had the little loops, and you'd, you'd put them in like a, a pyramid. Like a teepee almost. A teepee, yeah. Yep. Right. So we had never, ever in our lives in training stacked weapons. Ever. Ever. For any reason. We knew how to do it. Because we were trained to do it, but it wasn't right. like a practical thing that we ever did. Yeah, it, was yeah, just, it wasn't a drill. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now stack. But so, so we're in this we're in this room that's not much bigger than this set. I mean, it's it's probably the size of your booth, right? Yeah, probably smaller than that. Yeah, actually. and we have we have 30, 40 guys in this room, and uh, we stack weapons, and we hear a, a gunshot go yeah. off. They call them an eighty, an accidental discharge. Right, and so. All, everyone, all the leadership's like, okay, who was it? Yep. You know, because it's unacceptable. Every, if you're an infantry guy. You don't have an AD Ever. like that's, you know, you don't accidentally shoot your gun like it's that's something right. that you know it's serious, right? So, like, so we're checking all of our guys, making sure nobody's hit or injured. We're looking at all the all the safeties and all the guns, right? Because if you if if one's on yeah. fire, that's the, the guilty party. Looking right? at the dust covers because yeah. the the gun went off, the dust covers open, and we're, we're yeah. trained to close the dust covers to keep all the crap out of the guns, and everything, all the guns are on safe, all the dust covers are closed. So, right. so then I a serious I'm kind, round. I'm I'm kind of a gun nerd, so I start to thinking like, well, the sound of that shot wasn't a rifle round. Yeah, you know, so I start I start opening the two hundred threes because their safety is a little different. You have a trigger, and then the safety kind of folds in front of the trigger, and then to shoot it, you have to unfold this, and then you get the triggers available. But um, I see one of my guys' two hundred three safeties off, and I open his thing, and an empty two hundred three shell comes out. Right. Now, John was just telling you about the kill radius, right? Well, we end up finding the round sitting there. There's a big dent in the garage door where it hit. Well, what a 203 has is an arming distance. So it has to have so many rotations before it arms for, for safety. For, this, for, for that specific it, situation. It's like 14 rotations, which probably translates to 15 feet. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah probably maybe So it went off and hit the garage door. But then, because it didn't do 14 it, rounds, it didn't explode. Yep, it, it landed arm. on the ground. So our safety measure is we took somebody's helmet and put it over the round, sitting on the ground, so we could figure out Which what is, else we could do with it. This is this has never happened. The bomb before. squad cannot be called at this point. We didn't there's have no, a bomb there's squad. no bomb exactly. Squad. You right. can't call the bomb squad. So, so you guys are sitting here debating what do we do with it? Pick yeah, exactly. it up? Not pick it up? And this is the funny part of the story. <laughs> so, so our, our, right now, a helmet sitting on it, yeah, though. That's it. That's going to do a lot. And, and a guy's in the corner doing push-ups. And we're all scratching <laughs> our heads. But, okay, so back to, the, back to the accidental discharge. What happened was when we stacked weapons, they shifted. And it when it shifted, it, it cut the yeah. safety off. It, so no, it was, nobody did it. Nobody it was a right. legit it was accident. Yeah. Gravity basically yeah. fed. Because the gun was still stacked. So it's not like the guy pulled the trigger. And, right. You know, so, yeah. Um, but our leadership then, they, they pick it up, they get in their Humvee, and there's a great big bridge leading into yeah, the Jeff. There's, it's, there's a bridge, the Tigers River runs right down through it. 
So they're like, okay, well, we'll just go throw it in the Tigris River, right? Because we don't know what else to do with yeah, it. Yeah, we're not going to leave it on the side of the road or allow it to arm itself right. and do whatever. So it, in theory, it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so they get in this Humvee. They get over this bridge. They find the spot where they think it's safe to you know, toss this thing over the edge. And uh, they're driving to make sure nothing uh, happens. And they grab this round out of the helmet. And they go to toss it over the bridge. And it hits the railing and bounces and lands on the <laughs> sidewalk. Still doesn't go off. <laughs> fail right <laughs> fail so now now they're in you a, didn't even clear the bridge they're in a conundrum of okay do we leave it there or do we go pick it up and risk something happening as we put it over the edge because right? so far you're uh what oh for three or, right I mean, you're like not doing good you're like yeah you got you've tried twice now yeah what about the third is the third shoe gonna fall right so i don't remember if they actually kicked it in or if they i, I don't I think know they just left it I think, yeah i don't know i think they were just like we're, we're, we're pretty lucky are, so far yeah, they need to get <laughs> they need to get away from that round yeah it's a it's a bad omen right yeah, yeah. so the, you know and, and if that round would have hit somebody directly you know oh. just the just the impact of the round it would have been devastating yeah. if, but if that round would have gone off in that building with all of us it would have taken out the whole platoon. man it would have been bad bad so wow yeah. it's one of those things you know, like you, you know you you, you wipe your forehead like Whoo, and you just kind of move <laughs> on you know so. but it's it is really cool that there are safety measures built within that because right. of those yeah. things you just can't control well, and i think the reason that the safety's there is like it was designed in vietnam so you have dense jungle, right? So if you hit a branch right in front of you, they didn't want it going off right yeah. in midair, right gotcha. in front of you. So yeah. So yeah, you hit a hit a branch. Yeah. It drops right in front of you. Well, you don't need to die. As soon as, as, soon as the, the impact, it would, yeah. it would it would go yeah, off. So. Wow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so we got a bunch of those stories where close calls. Right. Yeah, stuff like that. So. At the time, it was holy. Now looking back, oh, they're hilarious. Yeah, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> right. At the time, it's serious. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you guys are still here to laugh about it. Yeah, right? me too. <laughs> it makes for a better cigar company that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great conversation, great company, good stories. Right. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you both for your service, oh, but more importantly, you. just for you as individuals bringing great cigars to us, packaging with Bovda. We appreciate that. Just thank you so much for the conversation and sitting down with me today. Yeah, thank you guys fun. for having us on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want more from Warfighter, go to warfightertobacco.com and make sure you pick up some Boveda to protect those cigars. Right. Yes. Appreciate it. And there's a dealer locator on our website. There's a dealer locator. Yeah. So yep. buy from your local shop if you can. So now you can type in your zip code, find out a dealer near you, or like these guys would like it, ask your real retailer to bring them into your shop. Please. Absolutely. Thank you all for watching. Have a great day.